0: Wow, that's super groovy. How are we doing, Renew? Yeah, okay, there's two of us they're excited about today. That's good. Hey, my name is James Brown. I'm a pastor at Cedarbrook. I'm the teaching pastor there, and it is an honor to be with you today. If you are new with us today in this space, I just want you to know I'm not the regular guy. I think he'll be back in another week or so. We're doing this series where we're uh, switching around a little bit between our network of churches uh, on 94. And so it is my honor to be here today. And uh, we are just turning the corner in this teaching series called Faith Hacks that we are all doing. Uh, Renew, Cedarbrook, and MidCurrent. Uh, Jamie's at at, uh, MidCurrent today and teaching uh, week number four together. And so we decided to do this series because this word hack uh, has gotten kind of a a bad rap over uh, the years of its existence. For most of the time, it's been a negative term, but over the last couple of years, uh, things have begun to change for this word hack. It has now become synonymous with uh, shortcut or special skill sets that are used to increase Uh, productivity, efficiency, effectiveness in your life. And so if you were to to do a quick search on YouTube or TikTok, what you would find is like this endless uh, series of alternative ways to save time and energy and money in your existence. Now, interestingly, as I have been researching this idea of hacks over the last few weeks, uh, I ran across the hack that didn't actually make the list, but probably should have. Uh, I ran across uh, a hack uh, that most doctors, medical experts, would agree that would be a, it would be a simple shortcut that would increase your quality of life. And this hack that I'm referencing that doesn't make any list, but is very important, is a little thing we call flossing, flossing. Uh, I'm not talking about this dance uh, thing, sorry you can't unsee that, but There's another flossing with your teeth uh, that people do from time to time. And so since we're in church, let's just be honest here. How many of you have flossed this morning? How many of you flossed this morning? Not a single one one man. One man. All right. Great, great. The rest of us, the rest of us, all I gotta say about your flossing is you nasty. Yeah, you nasty. Uh, Actually, I did not floss myself this morning. Uh, in solidarity with our non-flossers here. Uh, so if you did floss, just so you know, good sir, uh, you are in the minority, clearly here at Renew, in the minority. Uh, research tells us that less than 45% of people floss with any sort of regularity. Um, And that's unfortunate because the 55 plus percent of us who don't make flossing part of our regular regimen as one of our daily habits or one of our daily hacks is that we are completely missing out on the future benefits of having done flossing today. Uh, In in addition to removing the, the rotting food from between your teeth, which quite honestly should be enough motivation to do flossing... Uh, The simple act of daily flossing has been connected to a number of important things in life, like reduced risk of heart disease for daily flossing, in addition to increased amounts of open mouth kissing uh, due to increased amounts of floss. I thought people would be more excited about that, but I guess not. Uh, So here's the dealio. Here's the dealio with flossing is that you can only receive the future benefits of that action if you put it into practice, when? Today. In order to get the good out of good for you that some hacks have to offer us, they have to occur with a certain amount of regularity in our lives. Some hacks require frequency for us. Some shortcuts in life demand daily discipline in order to get the good out of them. Now, this dynamic, I would submit to you, is true when it comes to small things like flossing. But I would also say to you that it's also true when it comes to larger things like our relationship with God. Now, you may not know this, but this frequency requirement is the exact view that Jesus takes when he describes what it means to be one of his Followers, In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says this. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, okay, Jesus says, you, you want to know what it means to follow me. You want to know what it means to, to walk in my steps. Well, let me tell you, Jesus says, number one, you must turn from your selfish ways. Uh, okay, Jesus, that doesn't sound like very much fun. Uh, and then he goes on. He says, not just that, you must also take up your Cross, which is essentially another way of saying that you must turn from your selfish ways. You must die to your selfish ambitions. How often? Daily, daily. And then, and then you can follow me. He says, if any of you wants to be one of my followers, he must, she must turn from their selfish ways, take up their cross. Here's the key, daily, daily. And then you can follow Me. Talk about holy harrowing hacks, Batman, right? I mean, what in the world? But that's what Jesus says, that when it comes to following him, in order to experience the benefits of following him, there are certain little actions, there are certain little habits or hacks that we must do every day. And when we do them, they result in the big outcomes that we want to experience in our lives. It's as the brilliant philosopher and renowned theologian Jerry Rice, former wide receiver for the 49ers, has said. He says this. He says, today I will do what others won't. So tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. So the question that I want to look at for us today is simply this. Are there simple actions? Are there templates or techniques or shortcuts or secrets? Are there simple actions that Jesus did every day that we can emulate, that we can adopt, that we can do, that will make our lives better and make us better at life? And I think the answer to that question is actually a resounding Yes, in fact, there was one specific activity of Jesus that I think we should specifically emulate. One pattern of Jesus that we should put into practice ourselves. One aspect of his conduct that we can replicate in our own lives. And here it is, what Jesus did. Get away with God every day. Get away with God every day. In other words, we should carve out some quiet time with our creator on the daily, on the daily. And I would say and submit to you that I think this might be the single most important thing that Jesus did every single day. And so let me show you what it looked like in his life. If you happen to have a Bible with you today or a Bible app on your phone or tablet, I want to invite you to join me in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And what we're going to be seeing uh, in in leading up to what we're about to look at is that Jesus had just healed this guy with leprosy. Uh, And what Jesus does is he tells this guy to be quiet about what just happened to him. And And he doesn't. The guy can't be quiet. In fact, the paparazzi or the Jesus, jesus or whatever you want to call them, they're now hounding Jesus like everywhere he goes. They're everywhere around him all the time. And that's where we pick up the story. In Luke chapter 5, verse 15, it says this. But despite Jesus' instructions, instructions to the guy that just got healed from leprosy to not say anything... But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach, preach and to be healed of their diseases. Now, by this time in the story, the biography of Jesus called Luke, Jesus has already become a first-century celebrity pastor. He's now the new it teacher. He's the new it prophet. He's the new religious leader. And his fans and his followers are all over him all the time. So the question is, reading this, what does he do with this new popularity and prestige? What what does he do with this notoriety that he now has? Does Does he attempt to increase his platform Does he attempt to increase his media exposure? Does he hire a a PR firm to to manage his image? Does he take time away to write a book? Does he start a blog? Does he begin tweeting, start making TikToks, launch a clothing line, maybe sandals? I don't know. Does he do anything to expand his brand? Nope. (laughs) In fact, he takes the exact opposite Approach, look at verse 16, the very next verse. It says, but Jesus, even though he's experiencing all this popularity and he could do so much with it, even though, but Jesus often withdrew, often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Now I read that and I'm like, what? What? I mean, you've got an opportunity here, Jesus, and you are often withdrawing? That's not even a word. Anyway, you are often withdrawing from everybody. I mean, seriously, Jesus, what, what a waste. I mean, man, if you had known how much potential you actually had, if you would just have done less withdrawing and more engaging with your fan base, I mean, Jesus, you might have had a chance at changing the world. I'm just saying. No, seriously, though. That's not what he did. He didn't pursue that path. Instead, he withdrew He pulled away with what kind of frequency? The Bible says often. Often. He often took regular times away to get away from the noise. Why? Well, he knew he needed something more important than the praise and the popularity and the prestige. He knew that he needed to connect with his father to spend time with his Father in heaven, to spend time listening to what the Father was saying to him, spending time regularly away from the noise to know what the Father was up to. You see, Superman had his fortress of solitude, and Jesus, the real Superman, he needed one as well. But for Jesus, solitude wasn't just a place that he would go, but rather it was time that he took. And it was time that he took often. Now, truth be told, this word often is actually a little bit of a light term here for what it really means in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek. Now, the next minute is going to get a little bit technical, but hang with me uh, because it will be worth the journey. Okay? The, the English word that we translate often, with new, often withdrew, that phrase, is the Greek phrase in hypochoron. In Hypochoron. Now, the word Hypochoron is actually a compound word that is made up of two Greek words, Hupo and korio, which literally means to vacate down, to downshift, or to live quietly, to have quiet time. But here's where things get really interesting in this phrase because the N, the E N part that we translate often or frequently literally means to exist, to exist. So what that means is that Jesus not only built structured pauses into his day to vacate down, to live quietly, he didn't just do it because he thought he should, he actually existed for these very moments. These moments With his Father in heaven, he longed for him. These frequent, daily, quiet time alone with God, his heavenly Father, our heavenly Father, was something that he lived for every single day of his life. Which I think forces us to ask the question about our own lives. Does the culture that we live in today make it easier or make it harder For us to connect deeply with God on a daily basis. Now, before you jump to the answer to that question, I think we have to honestly ask it Does our environment that we live in today make it easier with our easy access Bible apps and our right now media Bible studies on demand, everything all the time at our fingertips? Does it make it easier? Or does it make it more difficult? Does it make it harder to deeply connect on a daily basis with God? You see, I think that's an important one for us to deal with. The tension, we must live in that because I think the answer is both. A lot of it comes down to what priority we place in our lives. I think for many of us, our daily schedule looks a lot less like Jesus and more like two college students I heard about Uh, The two college students were trying to decide how they were going to spend their evening. And so one of the college students piped up and said, I know what we can do. We'll flip a coin. We'll flip a coin. Heads, we go to dinner. And tails, we go to the movies. And if the coin stands on its edge, then we'll study. College students, do with that what you will. Um, I think that's sort of the approach that we take to this because in our high-speed wireless world, That's kind of the way that we view our personal solitude time with God. That oftentimes it's our last option or our last resort. I mean, we do want to get closer to God, right? But life, life happens with all of its busyness and with all of its distractions. And it keeps getting in the way. All of the hurry, all of the noise, it keeps us on the shallow, la 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 low, shallow. You're looking at it and sing it. The shallow side of things. It keeps us in the shallow end of the pool with God. And my guess is, you know what I'm talking about. You know what that means, because you know what a neglected soul feels like. And maybe, maybe you're there right now where you can start to feel the environment around you beginning to just suck the spiritual life right out of you. And see, I think that's exactly why Jesus often withdrew because Jesus refused to let a life of demand come before a life with the divine. He refused to let that happen I think that's why it says that Jesus often withdrew where to the wilderness to the wilderness because he knew that doing this, getting away to the silence, into solitude, he knew that it's, it's hard work. It's like the wilderness, surviving in the wilderness. Because well, I think one of the main reasons that we do stay plugged in in our high-speed wireless world, one of the main reasons that we stay addicted to the noise is because as long as we're constantly checking our phones and our emails and our social media, as long as we have the TV on, even though maybe somebody's not even watching it, As long as that there is something playing and dinging and pinging and beeping and running in the background. As long as there is something on and occupying our minds. Something on up here. We don't have to deal with what is going on in here. In our hearts. We don't have to come face to face with what we've allowed access into our lives and the truth is honestly it's easier that way because the noise allows us to ignore all the junk that's come in But God wants us to enter into the wilderness, enter into the solitude, engage in and embrace the sound of silence, because when we do, we can begin to clear up the connection with God so that he isn't constantly asking us, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And I think one of the ways that we clear up that connection is to do what Jesus did in verse 16, Jesus did this. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. You see, I think prayer is a great way for us to get away with God every day and to see what he wants us to see in those times of solitude with him. And if you're not familiar or comfortable with prayer, I would encourage you to go back a few weeks because Jamie taught on this, the Lord's Prayer, this idea that there is a way that we can connect with God. He's given us a hack, a a pattern, a, a way that we can have a conversation with God and begin to build that intimacy with him. Check that out if you need some steps in that. Because that's a great way to enter into the solitude. I think another great way to have solitude time with God is through the scriptures. It's through God's word. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says that something significant happens when we pick up the scriptures and read them on a regular basis. Check it out. Here's what that verse says. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. How many of you believe that about the Word of God, that it's alive and powerful, right? I would say that if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in your life to help you understand the Scriptures, understand God's Word, His wisdom in His Word. If you don't experience this alive and powerful part of reading the Bible, one of the things I would recommend is possibly, maybe, shifting translations that you're using, you know, I've got a lot of degrees in Bible stuff. If you throw the King James in front of me, the these and the doubts and the visors this, and the that whatever's, I'm out, like I'm out. I can't do that. But I preach, what we're looking at today is the NLT, the New Living Translation. I love that translation, the NIV, New International Version's another one. Uh, I'm reading right now the New American Standard Bible 2020 that just came out and verses are popping for me like crazy so if you're not experiencing this alive nature of the word of god maybe shift translations and see what that does because what's supposed to happen is what it says next it the word of god the scriptures it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword look at this cutting between the soul and the spirit that little bit right there between the joint and marrow look at this this is what happens it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires This is amazing. What what it does, God's word, the scriptures, in these times of solitude, it begins to expose what's really going on. It it functions for us as a map. It shows us how to live and how to do life. But it also functions as a mirror that shows us who we really are as God sees us. And who we really are in the areas that we need to grow in. Uh, Another uh, version of the Bible translated this verse this way. That the Bible is totally rad because it shows us how we've been being stupid and lying to ourselves about it. That's the King James Brown version of the Bible (laughs) on Kindle and uh, Barnes & Noble app. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Yeah, this is what Scripture's supposed to do. That when you read it, what's actually happening is that you're not only just reading it, it's it's actually starting to, to read you, to show you who you are, You don't read the Bible to analyze it. When you read the Bible, it begins to analyze you. And when we're studying this book and applying its truths into our lives, it not only makes its way into our head, it also makes its way into our hearts. It not only makes its way into our minds, but it also makes its way into our motives, or as Hebrews says, our innermost thoughts and desires in such a way that we can begin to figure out those areas in our lives where we've been right and the areas where we've been wrong. It begins to show us where where we've been the real deal with people and God and where we've been just faking it, posing before those individuals as well. It shows us the places and spaces where we've been loving and where we've been a total jerk to others, where we've been helpful, and maybe where we've even hurt the people in our lives. It shows us that. And so when we sit down with the scriptures, God uses the scriptures to help reduce the lack of self-awareness that so many of us struggle with in our lives. It's like when the great thinker Mitch Hedberg said, I tried to walk into Target, but I missed. Some of you get that on the way home. You're like, ah, that's right, James. That's not funny at all. Anyway, the scriptures do that. They put us back on target so we don't miss God's best. It puts us in the right path. It puts us back on course. And so let me close with this question for all of us today, which is simply this. What would your life look like if you actually did this? If you followed this part of what Jesus did every day, you took time each day in solitude with God, what would your life look like in 10 years if you spent time every day with your heavenly father, reading his word and praying. That in the, in the highlands and in the heartaches, didn't matter what was going on, you were spending time with your heavenly father. On the mountain or where the mountains were in your way, didn't matter. Every day, spending time with your heavenly father. What would be different? How would you be different? What would your life look like if you did this one thing that Jesus did every day. And the reality is some of you have done this. Some, some of you have tried this before and you need to get back to it. Maybe you started off this year, you know, first of the year is a great time to like get a new Bible or an app or a reading plan and get going. And some of you did that, but then something happened. You, you missed a day or you missed a week, you missed a month and you just quit. And if you did that, that's okay. I totally get it. I've been there, done it myself. But what I would submit to you is simply this. Hear me, follow me on this. If you missed a meal, would you quit eating, right? No, of course not. If you missed a meal, you, all you would do is just pick it back up at the next one, right? The next opportunity, right? Now, personally, I don't know that from experience since I've never missed a meal, Uh <laughs> But people tell me that's what happens. You just kind of pick it up at the next meal. And I would say that the exact same thing is true when it comes to reading the Bible or spending time with God. That if you miss a day, it's okay. If you miss a week, it's, it's okay. Just pick it back up on the next opportunity to eat. Every day is a new opportunity for us. Some of you need to pick it back up. Some of you need to actually start. Because frequency and longevity are far more important than sporadic Bible binges. And what I would say to you, if you've never done this before, is this: just do it for one minute a day. That's it. One minute of solitude, one minute of scripture. 30, 30 seconds a piece. And I would say, limit yourself. Limit yourself to that minute. Set a timer on your phone, whatever. Do one minute, but make sure that it's every day. And then in the next week or the next month, maybe add another minute so that you can begin to get away with God. Here's the key. Every day, every day. And I say a minute because I think the Bible gives us permission to do that. Psalm 34 verse 8 says this. Taste, taste. Not consume, but taste And see that the Lord is good. So every day, taste and see that the Lord is good. Take a little ground every every day. Frequency is key here. The the most important thing is that you get away with God every day, daily. Get away with God every day. And when you do, I promise you that it will begin to feel a lot less like flossing. (laughs) Something you have to do. And a lot more like it was for Jesus. Something you long to do, something you live for, something you exist to do. Every day, get away with God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this moment that we can come to you. And God, we stand in awe of the fact that you have designed us for a relationship with you that God, you are waiting and longing to be with us every day. And so God, I pray that we make it a priority, that even today we set aside a moment to connect with you in prayer, in your word, that we would pause as your children to connect with our loving Heavenly Father, to build that relationship, to grow in that relationship, that we would seek you out in the highs and in the lows, that we would seek you out no matter what state of being we are in, knowing that you are our constant, that in that space of connecting with you, God, we begin to become more like you, to be changed into your image, So that we can begin to experience the life that you have designed us to live. A life of peace. A life of hope. A life of love. A life of victory. And God, we thank you for that. And it's in Jesus' wonderful name that we pray. And all God's people said.